you've ever had poison ivy? Out in the woods there, cutting down trees, trying to make a room for a prayer uh, utility building the Lord put in my heart. And lo and behold, I had long sleeves on and long pants. And guess what? Poison ivy still got on me. Well, I tell you what, it reminded me about this old world. It don't take much for this old world to get on you. I know we got to be in the world like you're out in the woods, but the world will get on you. It'll sneak up on you. It really will. And today I'm going to share with you not perfection, but correction. <laughs> not perfection, but correction. And what I mean by that is I believe that the Lord is preparing us for intercession. Let me put that together. Not, we're not talking about perfection, but correction preparing for intercession. You'll understand more in just a few moments. But how many of you ever been corrected by your parents? Have you? You ever been corrected by your parents? Thank God our parents questioned. Uh, did, you, did your parents do that because they didn't love you? Or did they do it because they did love you? They did it because they loved you. And so it is with our Father in heaven. He corrects us. Watch this. Correction is meant for restoration and for affirmation and for transformation to lead us to intercession. See, I don't know about you as a parent, but when you discipline your children out of love, you do it for the purpose of a change of heart, right? And so the Lord has a way of changing our heart. And uh, so I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of James chapter 4. The book of James chapter 4. And we're looking today at this subject of uh, correction and transformation uh, that leads to a life of intercession. All of a sudden I realize I do not have my little changer, my clicker changer. I know I had it a minute ago. Uh, anyway, uh, Brother Josh, can I ask you to do something for me, my brother? Would you mind uh, checking in there, please, for me? And I appreciate it, brother. Josh is a dear brother in the Lord. But in the book of James, chapter 4, correction, not perfection. David was a man of God. I'll be honest with you. I can tell if you're a man of God or a woman of God by the, watch this, based on, thank you, sir. I knew it had to be somewhere, bless the Lord. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you, man. Love you, man. Thank you, Josh. Hey, uh, the, uh, uh, again, you know, when God's Word is being preached and, and when I hear the Word of God, I can tell it, what, how I respond. In other words, are you a man that's willing to be corrected by the Word of God? Are you a woman that's being willing to be corrected by the Word of God? That determines whether you're a man of God or a woman of God. Not perfection, but correction. And I got a feeling sometimes when the Word of God's being preached or in Sunday school, church, wherever, that we don't really submit to the Word of God. But if we do... I think this correction in our life will lead to a transformation which will ultimately take us to the position of intercession. Here's the bottom line. Your children, my children, our grandchildren, they need you and me to get a hold of God. 
many of them and our loved ones, our neighbors, there's some of you here today that you've gotten out of touch with the Lord. You don't, you, you don't feel like God's close to you. you. You don't have really necessarily a good prayer life. You need somebody else to pray for you. Have you ever been in a position you needed somebody to pray for you? I know I have. There have been times when I was distracted or I had unconfessed sin in my life and I could not get aligned to God and I just kept going further and further, playing games, playing church. But that's the reason you and I today need to be corrected so that we get in position to be able to pray the prayers. You say, oh, well, God's going to do what he's going to do anyway. I disagree. He's going to use channels. And there's somebody today that you probably need to pray for. You know, I talked with a lady last week, and uh, I won't tell you who it is. You wouldn't know it anyway. Anyway, she, I asked her, I said, are you a Christian? She said, well, I believe in Jesus. She said, but I also believe in the North American, you know, Indians belief. No disrespect to the North American Indians. But I asked her this. I'd met one some years ago, and this is what they told me. They said, you know, I believe parts of the Bible, but I also believe this particular individual uh, I met years ago, an Indian or one who had Indian blood. They said, I believe in reincarnation. Have you heard that? Reincarnation. In other words, when you die, you come back as another person. Or you come back as an animal. Some people believe that. Hindus, Hinduism does, for example. And I told this dear lady, I said, does that mean you believe this, reincarnation? By the way, if you're wondering, I don't believe in reincarnation. I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. And by the way, if I did believe in reincarnation, you know what I'd want to come back as? A bullfrog. Do you know why? I could eat everything that bugged me, all right? Don't you want to eat everything that bugs you? Sure you do, and I do too. David was corrected. He, David, you remember King David? He looked, he lusted, he lay, he learned. Yes, he was corrected. Uh, wait a minute. I read over there where Jonah ran away from God, then he ran to God, and then he ran with God. I, I also read over there about Peter denying the Lord Jesus. And yet he went out and wept bitterly. What am I saying? I'm saying a man of God or a woman of God will be willing to be corrected. And we're not always perfect. And it's not always somebody else's fault. And we've got to assume responsibility. The Lord is looking for us, not perfection, but correction. Why? So that once we're corrected by the Lord, we can get in fellowship with God and begin to intercede for the needs of our family. Absolutely. So in the book of James, we're looking today, and I want to focus primarily, as the Lord has put this on my heart, uh, on the element of intercession. I think today there's some of us that need prayer. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you need prayer? Probably most of us here say, pray for me. I don't know about you, but I need prayer. I got a feeling all of us need prayer. Why? because you're one step away from being yielded or from yielding to temptation and getting out of the will of God. I need you to pray for me, and I need to pray for you, and it's a privilege to pray for you. I got up this morning a little before 5, about 4.45, and every morning, and I'm not saying this to brag, but let you know that you're on my heart, that God's got me praying for you, Justin, every morning. I prayed for you, Jackie. I prayed for you and your family. Joshua prayed for you. Ralph prayed for you. Eddie prayed for you. Bud, thank you for that new birthday. Prayed for you. 
and others of you in here prayed and praised the Lord for you, Jim. Yes, this morning, and I need your prayers too. We need to be people of prayer. But look, if I just say I pray, but if I'm out of fellowship with God, guess what? God's not going to hear my prayers. Now, I know there's a lot of people who don't believe that, but I can take you to the Bible. In Isaiah, I'm sorry, Psalm chapter 66, verse 18, the Lord said through the psalmist, if we regard iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not hear us. The Lord will not hear us. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. The Lord's hands not shortened, they cannot save. His ears hit not heavy, they cannot hear. But our iniquities have separated us from God. Our sins have made it. He will not hear us. Wait a minute. I just thought of something. Could that be why some of us are not praying? We know we got unconfessed sin in our life. Look, I love you. Let's don't stay with unconfessed sin in our life. Because the Lord's got much more for you. And you can get a breakthrough today. You know, I've talked about the poison ivy. The world will promise you all this and that. Are you courting the world? Are you kissing the world? Are you dating the world? The world will promise you all this stuff. And we're influenced by the world. But then when you uh, go with the world, you'll find yourself empty. It won't satisfy the deep needs of your heart. And that's what James is going to be talking about this morning. Okay? The Lord Jesus being in the will of God is going to be the only thing that's really going to bring fulfillment in our lives and purpose and meaning and unconditional love. And so I know you've heard that until you're, you know, everybody's heard that, but, but for some reason we hadn't seemed to maybe put that in practice. But let me tell you this. As we look at the book of James, correction, not perfection, preparation for intercession. I wonder who it is you need to pray for today. I wonder who it is right now that they're not able to pray and you and I need to talk to God on their behalf. They're not in position to talk with the Lord. And, and, and so God is calling me and you this very day to pray for them. Yes, I could go on. For example, King Saul. Remember King Saul in the Bible? Not everybody is corrected by the Lord. Some people bow up at God. Some people turn a deaf ear to the Word of God. Some people aren't going to get on their knees or get on their face for God. Some people are just going to go their merry way. Some of you, I wish I didn't have to say it, today, this morning, some of you are just going to kind of, I don't know about that, and I don't know about that. It's King Saul, the Lord, that he was bitten with bitterness, he, was, uh, he became jealous, an evil spirit came upon him. Why? Because he wasn't being willing to be corrected by God. I don't care how old we get. I don't care how spiritual you think you are. Every one of us stand in need to be corrected by the Lord. And when you get to the place where you know it all, and when you get to the place where you become self-righteous, and when you get to the place where you become critical and judgmental, and you think that everything's right in your life, you're in a dangerous place. Because we all can have... Uh, um, things that come in our life we're not even aware we have blind spots etc so here's what we're here's where we're going in the message today correction not perfection in the book of james chapter one now you remember james i'm not going to stop at chapter one i'm going to lead to chapter four the context of the book of james and chapter one james by the way is a half brother of our lord jesus it's a tremendous epistle five chapters chapter one i like to use it this way take the good with the bad and make the best Take the good with the bad, make the best. I met a man just the other night. I was up at Home Depot. Y'all been at Home Depot lately? I know you have, Eddie. I saw you up there. No, I'm just kidding. 
hey, I was up at Home Depot, and a man was working and helping me get some supplies and all, and the Lord moved on my heart to ask him, was it a Christian? Have you had a chance to talk to somebody about if they were saved lately? Have you? Good. Keep it up. 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 The Lord honors it. Anyway, this man told me this. He said, you know, I made some mistakes in my life. He said, I'm on probation right now. I said, well, look, where sin abounds, grace does much more to abound. Do you believe that? I believe that. That's the Word of God. In fact, that's Romans chapter 5 and verse 20. So, here's the point. The point is this. Take the good with the bad and make the best, chapter 1. Chapter 2, uh, faith and works are cousins, if you will. And James says, if a man says he's got faith but he doesn't have works, this man's faith is dead. Chapter 3, taming the terrible tongue. We come to chapter 4. Here's a wonderful passage. I love to delve into all of this. However, I believe for your sake and my sake this morning, I just really want to focus on this matter of intercession. James chapter 4. Stand please as we read the Word of God, James chapter 4. I preached on this uh, two years ago, to be exact, January the 20th. I know some of you take notes and you put it in your Bible. That blesses me. But guess what? You can preach on the same subject or the same text uh, here until the rest of the year and not say the same thing over again. So I looked and uh, sure enough, that was the passage of Scripture. I love this Scripture passage. James 4, if you're there, say amen. From whence comes wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? Notice what this wonderful man of God who became the senior pastor evidently of Jerusalem. Notice what he said as he's inspired by the Holy Spirit. You lust and you have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Now, please underline the next couple of phrases. Yet you have not because you ask not. Yet you have not because you ask not. Let's say that together. Yet you have not because you ask not. Say it again, please. I think God's telling us today there's some things you could have, but you're not asking him for them. There's some breakthroughs that God says, I'll give you if you'll just trust me and ask me. You're not asking me. Un Offered prayer is unanswered prayer. How about it? You got something you need to ask the Lord about? You can be carrying this burden, worry and such? Hey, you have not because you ask not. Now keep reading. Then he says this in verse uh, 3. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss. And we'll see what that word entails. What does that word mean? You ask amiss. And then he says that you may consume it upon your lust. My, this is powerful right here. He, he likens a person not physically committing adultery, but spiritually committing adultery. This is really convicting to every one of us. Look at this, verse number four. You adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that friendship of the world is enmity. The word enmity means hostility toward God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. I mentioned to you, the world, my, it's like poison ivy. It'll get on you. We're, we're bombarded by the world all the time. And it allures us. It, it will flirt with you. The world will flirt with you. The world will promise you kisses. The world will promise you love. It'll promise you everything. And then you go and run with the world and think the world's going to meet all your needs. And you come away unsatisfied. James is saying, but, and listen to what he's fixing to say. Oh, I love this. And look at verse 5. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, 
the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth for into envy, but he giveth more grace. That's present tense. God keeps giving grace. Oh, bless his holy name. Wherefore he saith, God resists the proud. Why does God resist the proud? Because the proud resists God. God resists the proud, but he gives grace unto who? The humble. You get hardened or you get humble, one of the two. And in this old world, with all the stuff going on, it's easy to get hardened. I'll be honest with you. My, 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 the Lord has to work me over all the time because I can get critical and judgmental. Man, I can get cynical, and I believe you're in the same boat that I'm in. Look at verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Hupotasso is the word submit. Come under authority. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Are you willing to wave the white flag and say, Lord, I've got to dethrone myself and enthrone you. Self's been running my life long enough. God is speaking to us today about this thing of ourself being in control instead of letting him be in control. Look at this, verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Once we submit to God, come under his authority, then we can do what? Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. I'm not going to ask you how many have been hearing voices. I'm not going to ask you how many, how many are facing demonic activity trying to lure you here and there and telling you lies and deceive you, but I'm convinced most of us here have. Look at this. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Now look at verse 8. Draw near to God. Draw nigh to God. In other words, God's saying right now, today, this day, July the 18th, 2021, if you'll take a step toward God, he'll take a step toward you. If you'll look to the Lord, he'll look to you. And that's what he's saying. Don't just come sit soaking sour, get look around and be entertained. No, no. God's saying, I want to speak to you. I want to have fellowship with you. I want to meet with you today. Are you going to meet with God today? I said, are you going to meet with God today? Are you just going to just come and be entertained and preoccupied? Well, look, he says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Remember, be corrected. When you draw near to God, he's in the light. And we have to say, oh, God, woe is me. And we see our flaws when we draw near to God. But that's a good thing. Why? Because then we can get in position to pray for other people. We're not praying for other people because we're not in position to pray for them. But when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. And then we get clean. Look what James is saying, verse 8. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Hallelujah. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. You're double-minded. That's my problem, and I believe that's your problem too. We're vacillating. We're so in a confused state that we don't know what's truth and error and a lie from the truth. And then our emotions have got us. We're living off our emotions and our feelings. I didn't like the way that, you know, song. I didn't like that message. And our feelings control us instead of the Holy Spirit. This is a really, really battleground. It's a battleground. Look at verse 9. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning. Your joy into heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And thank God he'll lift us up. And the church said, yes, Lord, we need your blessings on our life. We need your glory on our life. Lord, we need your sweet peace and presence in this trouble and chaotic world. Lord, we thank you for meeting with us today. I thank you for your great love, an out-of-this-world kind of love. Hallelujah. Thank you for forgiving my sins through the blood of the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus, your beloved Son, our Savior. And thank you, Holy Spirit. As Jesus, you said, I'll not leave you alone. I'll send my Spirit. He'll be with you, in you, and upon you. So, Father, I need you today. Lord, I know there's others standing in need for eternal life. 
they're facing eternal death. And I pray, God, you'll call out your army today. You'll call out the soldiers in New Rocky Creek Baptist Church. You'll call out mamas and daddies and call out grandparents. Call us out, Lord, and we want to draw near to you. Lord, I know I'm not worthy, but it's not about me. It's about you, and you invite me to come to you. So, Lord, all the devil's lies and all the excuses and everything that holds us back, I pray, God, you'll break the chains of the enemy. Bring us into victory and to freedom, and we'll thank you because I believe, Lord, there's going to be breakthroughs this morning. I believe, Father God, that there are going to be answered prayers, and we're going to thank you for it because you are a mighty God. Hallelujah. And the church said, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The power of prayer, the power of prayer. As we look at the text, can I just quickly summarize because I really want to focus on this matter of praying. And I want to meet you today. I want to meet you at the altar. I want to meet you where you're at because you need prayer and I need prayer and we need to pray for each other. If you want to, to take what we call an exegetical outline of the text, and I'll not try to stay with this too much, I must confess, as I was praying this week, my mind thinks this way. And the Lord put it on my heart as we develop this, not just to use a scripture out of tech context, but here are the two main focal points of the passage of scripture we read. Number one, dethrone the lies of lustful living for the world. Dethrone. There's some choices you need to make. Can I just put it this way? Can I put it this way? How many of you would say there's some things I need to stop and there's some things I need to start? I believe there's some things we need to stop and there's some things we need to start. For example, James says, He that knoweth too good doeth it not to him it is sin. Oh, really? Well, what do I need to start doing? Maybe I need to stop complaining like I've been complaining. And maybe I need to stop and wasting my time and being lazy, slothful in my spiritual life. Maybe I need to start digging up the wells of the Word of God in my heart. Maybe I need to start memorizing Scripture. Maybe I need to start developing every day some time with my Lord every day. Maybe I need to stop putting it on the last of my list when I'm sleepy and tired at the end of the day and I just tack it on. What, what do you need to stop? Maybe I need to stop being critical. Hey, look, dethrone the lies of lustful living for the world and enthrone the truth for the love of the Lord Jesus and his will. All right, number one, dethrone the lies of lustful living for the world. Notice what he said. You have not because you ask not. Say that with me. You have not because you ask not. Say that with me. You have not. And then he said, and you ask and receive not. You ask and receive not. Say that with me. You ask and receive not. One more time. You ask and receive not. Well, wait a minute. I'm asking God for things, but I'm not receiving them. It's not for my glory. It's not twisting God's arm. By the way, God doesn't always answer my prayer or your prayer like we want him to answer it. He answered according to his will and for his glory. Someone has put it this way. I like this phrase. I was here yesterday reflecting on that too. And it's this. If our request is wrong, God says no. If our timing is wrong, God says slow. If we're wrong, God says grow. But if the request is right and the timing is right and we're right, God says go. Think about what I just said. Maybe right now you're praying about something, but maybe the request is wrong. Maybe deep down inside we've got ulterior motives. 
Maybe deep down inside, it's, it's something else that God sees that we don't see. And the request is really not according to the will of God, even though we think it is. People tell me all the time, Pastor, I prayed about this, or I prayed about this, and I say the same thing. Today, this is loosely used, this phrase of prayer. I'm not talking about at the table, God bless the food, amen. I'm talking about a prayer life with the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? I'm talking about a time to spend with God adoring who he is, confessing our faults before the Lord, giving thanks for his blessings, amen, and telling him our needs. Do you have a prayer life? I didn't ask you to pray at the table. God bless the food, amen. I'm talking about a prayer life. I'm talking about spending time with God, okay? And that's what the Lord is calling us today. Why? Because, remember, correction, not perfection, leads to restoration that is god restores us back in fellowship with him and affirmation he affirms us i'm his son hallelujah you're his daughter hallelujah and the purpose of all that is not that we go around saying look at me i'm a son of the living god although that's true but the purpose is that we'd be used of him to intercede for others are you praying for others who do you need to pray for today affirmation intercession so here's where we're going now, you'll notice, and I just want to draw two points and then share a testimony, and then we'll be done. Number one, if we don't uh, draw near to God, see if you agree with me, there's no way we're going to have sweet peace with the Lord. It's not going to happen. Today, there's, uh, there's some troubled minds. Today, tell me the truth now, we're troubled. We've got trouble on our mind. We've got issues. We've got things we can't control. You know what I'm talking about, right? Come on, y'all admit it, all right? Y'all be honest with me. Are you honest with me? We got things we can't control. We don't know how to deal with it. Some stuff we don't even know how to pray about it. But wait a minute, we're going to talk about that in a moment. So if we don't spend time with the Lord and there's some finances, how am I going to pay my bills? What about this situation that, that how am I supposed to deal with this? What am I supposed to say to this person? Uh, who, who, Lord, are you bringing in my life? Who are you taking out of my life? Wisdom. The only way we're going to get that is to walk with the Lord. And this is so very vital for all of us until we get to glory. So, no peace, no peace, no sweet peace and no presence of the Holy Spirit. But wait a minute. How many believe that Jesus Christ is the peace giver? He's the peace giver. Look, listen to me. He's a way maker. You believe he's a way maker? He can make a way when there is no way because the God of the impossible becomes the God of the possible. Not only that, but he's a giant killer. Anybody facing any giants today? Probably you got some giants you're facing like all of us have giants in our life. The Lord Jesus, see, this is why he wants to draw near to him. You're trying to fight that giant, the flesh. It's wearing you out, man. It's about to kill you, man. The stress, it's about to wear you down. The Lord's saying, you don't have to carry around all this stuff. You don't have to try to be perfect and you don't have to try to pretend like everything's okay. Be honest. Be transparent. Be broken with me. Confess your faults. Get right with me. Not perfection, but correction. Lord, that's true. You're right, Lord, I'm not. And, and the sweet peace of God that passes understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But number two, let me just say this, and that is this. If we uh, are not in a relationship with the Lord, if, if we don't dethrone the lies of lustful living, you got to have this in order to be happy. Hear me, hear me, hear me. There's a lot of us have bought into the lies of the enemy. In order to be happy, you've got to have this. All the time we're bombarded 
by advertisements, by people. Well, did you get this? Did you hear this? Did you know this? I'm going here. I'm doing this. I went here on my vacation. I'm going here. I'm going satisfying the flesh. There's nothing wrong with being blessed of God. But those things don't bring real satisfaction, complete satisfaction. So we can't substitute those things for the real deal. That's what I'm trying to say. And the lies of lustful living, James is saying, of the world. And this isn't just meaning uh, like you might think of, uh, uh, of uh, you know, uh, running and killing somebody and all that. No, this can just be... Uh, entertained by the world and stuff meeting our needs and really Jesus not meeting the deepest need of our heart. You have not because you ask not and you receive not because you ask amiss. You may consume it upon your lust. Look at this word right here. I looked it up. Daph on A-O. This word, consume it upon your lust. You ask amiss. You're asking but you're asking for the wrong reasons. You have not because you ask not. So God's saying, look, take the first step. Start trusting me. Start believing me. And then when you ask, don't ask with the wrong motives. This word right here means to spend, to bear expense, waste, or squander. God is a good God. Can I get an amen? God has blessed us. God has smiled on us. Oh, I talked with a lady this week, and she said, Pastor, I just started having seizures. She's in her 60s. And I said, wow. She said, I'm a nurse, and I just started having seizures. How many of y'all listen to me? How many of you right now would admit and jump up and shout and say, I thank God for my help? That's something to be grateful to God for, and that's something to get on our face before the Lord and say, Lord, I've taken my help for granted. All it takes is a, just a blink of the eye, and then your help's not there anymore. So that alone is enough to draw near to God and say, oh, God, thank you. Have you thanked the Lord for your help lately? Have you? Have you thanked him for his goodness to you? Well, let's talk about this. This matter of having not because we ask not, we receive not because we ask amiss. So we dethrone the lies, but we enthrone the truth for love for the Lord Jesus and his will. Now that might sound super spiritual, but it's not. It's just making a choice. I'm not going to let the world control me. I'm not going to let my mind wander on the deception of the enemy. And you know, I'll be honest with you. Uh, if we're not careful, we can all be open uh, to deception. So we really have to walk circumspectly, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Is your life under the will of God? Is it come under the will of God? Do you, do you get corrected when the word of God is proclaimed? Do you say, not me? Do you, do you get mad inside? Do you get kind of uh, agitated inside? There are times when the word of God is being preached and I can feel conviction falling on me. And at that moment, I have a choice. If I rebel against God, I grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And trust me, brother, trust me, sister, I know when I grieve the Holy Spirit. When I don't do what God tells me to do, I grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how much you've been in church. I don't care how much you know the Bible. It's a daily thing. And by the way, time out. That's why I need to be around the house of God, around the Word of God on a daily, weekly basis. Because just because you walked with God or taught or did this or that yesterday, it don't mean you're right with the Lord today, every day. And so this is a day-by-day -day relationship with God. And as we're getting in the Word, submitting to the Word, Lord, I, I, I'm just going to uh, give, give me grace to do whatever you're calling me to do. If it's let go, go some things, forgive somebody, I don't know. But draw near to God. He said he will draw near to you. It's the matter of prayer, enthroning the truth, 
for the love for the Lord Jesus. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, double-minded. Be afflicted in mourning and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning. Your joy into heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. He will lift you up. You need lifting up today. I got a feeling some of us are discouraged. You are discouraged, hadn't you? You've been discouraged a long time, hadn't you? You've been depressed for a while, hadn't you? If you get with the Lord today, he'll lift you up. Y'all didn't talk to me. That's all right. There's nothing more that gives me encouragement than Jesus Christ. When I've got a heavy burden, when I'm going through a tough time, when I can't fix things, and nobody here in a human body can help me. But when I go to my Lord and I begin to talk with him about it and cast my burden on him, I'll tell you, he's got a way of lifting us up. Few of you know what I'm talking about. And that's why we need to get with God today. Look here. Prayer is the key that unlocks the door. I'm finished right there. But let me just say this. It was the power of prayer that Enoch walked with God. He kept walking with God. Are you walking with the Lord? It was the power of prayer that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a solitary saint that lived in a sin-sick society. Everything was going wrong. It was a bad time during Noah's day. Noah didn't cave in and start whining about all the stuff going on he preached he was faithful to God it was by the grace of God yes it was the power of prayer you'll not have prayer power until you get right with the Lord and I like what uh, A.C. Dixon said he said this uh, when we we can do more than pray after we pray but we can't do more than pray until we pray here's here's another way to put it Pray when you feel like it. Pray when you don't feel like it. Pray until you feel like it. And I'm not just talking about, you know, now lay me down to sleep kind of praying. I'm talking about getting a relationship with the Lord. Not just telling him all of your problems. Not just telling him what we want in life, a grocery list. That's the average Christian prayer list is God help me here and do this and do that. The Lord says grow up. Get, get past all this baby praying. You need to get in a position where you can pray for others. And the truth is, most Christians aren't in the position to pray for others. We're so self-centered. God, help me. Do me. Do me, Lord. Do me, Lord. Do me, Lord. Do my family. Do me. Do me. Do me. Do me, Lord. And, and I need this. And I need this. And I need this. And God says, all right, all right, all right. When are you going to get to a position where you can pray for somebody else? When are you going to get a position where you'll be a blessing to somebody else? And that's what the Lord's calling us to do. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Abraham was called a friend of God. He understood the power of prayer. Yes, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed to him for righteousness' sake. The Bible is full of examples. Jacob wrestled with an angel. He discovered the power of prayer. It was the power of prayer that Jacob was changed from that deceiver to a prince that prevails with God. Don't you need a change today? I said, don't you need a change today? Aren't you living defeated? Aren't, aren't you feeling like you're not really soaring into heavenly places? Are you today feeling depressed or insecure or fearful? Yes, it was the power of prayer. Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose rather to be afflicted with the people of God. Watch this. Rather than enjoy pleasures of sin for a season. Y'all listen to me. Make no mistake about it. There is pleasure in sin, but it's just for a season. Uh, you didn't hear me. I said, there's pleasure in sin, but it's for a season. The devil doesn't tell us that we reap what we sow. No, no, no. The devil doesn't tell us you can have thrills, but then sin thrills, and then sin kills. That's what I'm talking about, flirting with the world. The devil don't tell you that. He's a liar. All of his apples have worms. Yes, the devil's a liar. He lures us into a life outside the will of God, and then he stabs us in the back and laughs and says, you fool. Why'd you listen to me?
And see, God is calling us today. God's saying, don't listen to the lies of the devil. It was the power of prayer that Moses, again, uh, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It was the power of prayer. Remember Joshua? He marched across dry land, the Jordan River, for the purpose of the Lord to take over and to drive out the inhabitants of the land. It was the power of prayer that Joshua said, we've never been here before, Joshua chapter 1, verse 3. It was a power of prayer that God said, hey, by the way, Joshua, have I not commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Fear thou not, neither be thou dismayed. I'm with thee whithersoever thou goest. That's Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. And no wonder he meditated on the word day and night. That's Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. It was the power of prayer Joshua let out. I'm looking to a crowd right now. I wonder what God really wants to do in your life. I'm speaking myself right here. Thank God for what God's doing, the ministries, but I'm convinced God has much more for you and me. And you have not tapped into it yet, and I've not tapped into it yet. Why? We're satisfied with less than heaven's best. Just enough instead of more than enough. Wait a minute. Life's going to be over shortly. I said life's going to be over shortly, and what we do is going to be gone. What we do now, we better do it now. It was the power of prayer. The Ruth said to Naomi, her mother-in-law, after she saw the change in her mother-in-law, after, by the way, her mother-in-law's husband, Elimelech, died and her two sons died, and Ruth, being a Moabite, saw the difference in her mother-in-law. What did Ruth say? It was the power of prayer. She said, thy people should be my people, and thy God should be my God. Where you dwell, I'll dwell, and I will die where you will die. It was the power of prayer. And that Esther, being the queen of Persia, said to Mordecai, if I perish, I perish. How could she say that? She was in position to say that. As Mordecai said, who knows where you are come to the kingdom? Such a time as this. Esther chapter 4, verse 14. It was the power of prayer that God used Esther to thwart the plan of Haman and spare the Jews. Today, they're called the Feast of Purim. It was the power of prayer that Samson, though he got his hair cut in the devil's barber shop, he prayed, and God came on him one more time. Yes, it was the man, the night, the lights that went out at Samson's house, but it was the power of prayer. Read it, read it, read it. You have not because you ask not. You receive not because you ask amiss. It was the power of prayer. Elijah standing up on Mount Carmel. You talk about false prophets, 850 of them. It was the power of prayer, Elijah said. How long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. And Elijah prayed for the fire to fall from heaven. God was preparing Elijah. He went to the brook. The ravens fed him. He ministered to a widow called Zarephath and her son. And he all was set up for a man like passions like we. He prayed. It did not rain for three and a half years. He prayed and the rain came. Hey, we have the same God as Elijah. Oh, yes. Maybe we're not in position like Elijah, but it was the power of prayer that the fire fell. And by the way, you know what happens when the fire falls? God is glorified. You know what happens when the fire falls? The devil's crowd is horrified. You know what happens when the fire falls? The saints are purified. God sent the fire. I'm talking about the power of prayer. I'm talking about Daniel, who didn't make it a habit to start praying because he was accused he'd be thrown in the lion's den if he prayed to any other god. Oh, no. It was the power of prayer that Daniel set his face like a flint and sought his God. No wonder the Lord sent an angel and shut the mouths. How many of y'all believe in angels? An angel shut the mouths of the lions. 
God created the lions. He can shut the lion mouth of the lions. Somebody said, Daniel was reading between the lions, and I'm not lying, all right? Hey, look, it was the power of prayer. As you look to the Word of God, you take, for example, Jesus Christ. He said in chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, Matthew's Gospel, Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened. Whosoever asketh, receive it. He that seeketh, find it. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Yes, it was the power of prayer. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verse uh, 19 and 20, Again, I say unto you, two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything. They shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father in heaven. Where two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst of them. It was the power of prayer. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Not teach us to preach, teach us to pray. How many need to be taught how to pray? Amen. It was the power of prayer. In Luke's gospel, Luke the physician, the historian said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. That's Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. It was the power of prayer. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 26, verse 41, that Jesus Christ went to the garden of Gethsemane and he said this, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray. Say it with me. Watch and pray. Say it with me. Watch and pray. Say it with me. That's the message of the Word of God. In fact, in the last days in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, the Olivet Discourse, the last days of our Lord, before to be crucified and resurrected and ascended into heaven, he said this, watch and pray. Matthew chapter 44, and I'm sorry, Matthew 24, verse number 42. It was the power of prayer. In the book of Acts, chapter 12, Peter's in prison. Why? He's obeying the Lord. What's the church doing? Sitting at front, twiddling their thumbs? No, they're in prayer. Why? To God to deliver Peter. I'll tell you, there's a lot of people in our community need to be delivered from the devil. Amen. And it was the power of prayer. God sent an angel, and an angel came and loosed the chains of Peter and set him free. I'm talking about the power of prayer that Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps our infirmities. We know not how to pray, as we ought to pray, but the Holy Ghost helps us to pray with groanings which cannot be uttered, because he that searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I'm not talking about something uh, out of ordinary here. I'm talking about I've experienced this when I got down with God, and I didn't know what to pray. I didn't know how to pray, and I said, Lord, birth the prayer in my heart, and God did it for his glory. There are times when you don't need know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. I don't know who to pray for. And the Holy Ghost of God, like a channel from God the Son interceding for us in heaven and God the Father to God the Son to God the Holy Spirit back up to heaven. It was the power of prayer. And Paul entreated the Lord three times for that thorn in the flesh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. It was the power of prayer. Paul wrote to the Ephesian believers, chapter 6, verse 18. You know what he said? In that put on the whole armor of God, he said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. He's saying you need to be praying for the saints. Have you prayed for your church family today? It was the power of prayer. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, Paul said, Continue thou in prayer. It was the power of prayer that Paul enumerated to the church of Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, pray without ceasing. Say that with me. 
pray without ceasing. Oh, it's the power of prayer, no doubt. Oh, thank God for the power of prayer that we see through the Scriptures in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The power of prayer. It was the power of prayer that Jesus Christ reached way down when I couldn't reach up high enough. He reached down low enough. And I said, Jesus, save me. Jesus, forgive me. It was the power of prayer. The Lord, the King of glory, the one who was and is and is to come, the bread for the hungry, the water for the thirsty, the rest for the weary, the light to those who are in darkness. Yes, the friend that sticks closer than a brother. It was Jesus Christ heard my despairing cry and lifted me up out of the water and safe was I. It's the power of prayer that gets the job done. Oh, you have not because you ask not and you don't receive because your motives aren't right. God's saying to you today, he's saying to me today, will you trust me? Will you draw near to me? Will you call upon me today? And I say, yes, Lord, we will. I talked with a lady, amen, yesterday. This lady told me, 84 years old, she said, Pastor, do you remember? She said, and I'm just telling what she told me yesterday. She said, I had diabetes. I was taking medicine from 2004 to 2007. She said, I asked for you to pray. Lay your hands on us and pray and get some of the men from the church to pray. She said, after y'all prayed for me, I went back to the doctor and I didn't have to take any more medicine I've not been a diabetic since the Word of God and the power of prayer Woo! glory thank you Lord thank you Lord I say God that's the power of prayer I wonder today if you stand to your feet